0: Last week, we began looking at this, what I call kind of the Isaiah 61 picture, and uh, this is the scripture that Jesus referenced when he started his ministry. Many of you may remember us talking about it last week if you were here at the launch uh, Sunday service. But uh, Jesus quoted this right after being baptized and launching into ministry. And he he read this passage of scripture. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. How many of you are familiar with that that text? So this idea of the gospel to the poor. But then it says, so that's kind of like the anointing being upon Jesus and and the gifting uh, to preach being upon Jesus. But then there's the mission. He has sent me. The mission, the the why of the Spirit of God being upon him, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to comfort all who mourn, to appoint to them who mourn in Zion, to appoint, to set into place who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, uh, that they would be called or that they would become rebuilders of waste places, uh, rebuilders of ruins, waste cities, uh, desolations of many generations. So, a progression of this text starts with the gospel going to the poor. Okay? And then bringing healing. The gospel bringing healing specifically to the heart. Binding up the brokenhearted. And then also working something of liberating. Now, you may say, what, is, what does that even mean? Liberating from anything that is in this world that keeps us in some form of bondage. Anything from... From uh, sexual lust and addiction to something on that level, to drugs, to the gospel actually having the power to liberate us. We'll talk about that. And then not only that, that all these things are kind of making our lives better, but appointing us into our God-given calling. And do you know that you have a God-given calling? Give me some... some every single human being was created for and with a divine calling. Not just the ordained pastor God, The church is called into a, into a ministry. And uh, that ministry ultimately looks like the end of that text that I just quoted, that they, those who once received the gospel, they become rebuilders of waste places, of ruined cities. And the cool thing is, this very city that we have the privilege of living in is literally being rebuilt as we speak, there we go. I like that guy in the back there. Literally being rebuilt. And as I said last week, God is about more than just buildings. It's about people. Jesus didn't die on a cross for the sake of buildings. He died for people. And, uh, and, but, but not just for the sake of kind of the way churches traditionally presented it, where it's all about going to heaven when you die, although surely that's important. It is about restoring humanity and all of our lostness and all of the ramifications of our lostness bringing us into our inheritance as a son of God here in this world becoming an agent of, of his very kingdom in this world rebuilding waste places. You and I are called, what I'm getting at, to impact people and to receive from the Lord healing and liberty in our own lives and the more that is the case, we can give that away to others. And uh, I, I'm attracted to that idea. I've found that Jesus has done amazing things. And I please, I don't say that lightly. Like Jesus has done amazing things in my life. And, um, and I, I know he's done amazing things in some of the people in front of me. And uh, we've got some awesome stuff to give away. So that's the idea. But it starts with the healing of the heart. So we don't just jump into becoming a rebuilder of waste places. Although in a sense... The moment you receive Jesus, you are authorized to give him away to others. But it starts with the heart. The whole thing starts with the heart. And uh, the binding up of the broken heart. So that's what we're looking at last week, this week. We're looking at that for a season. Because I have found that my heart, uh, ordained pastor, needs to be bound up still because that is the effect of sin on this world evil things happen in this world i know you know i'm all about uh Satchma or Louis armstrong and you know and you know, i think th- to myself oh. what a wonderful world and there's moments where you can look out and see a sunset and think this world is amazing but at that exact same moment there is a child being raped by an adult there's sin in this world and it breeds pain And it has affected me. It has affected you. God wants to heal that. Isn't that good that he wants to heal that? I love that. But it's not just about being a good Christian and going to church every Sunday. He actually wants to heal your heart and make your life nice. (laughs) It's awesome. He wants to liberate us and and set us into a place. So it starts with the heart. And Last week, we looked at some ideas of that word used in Isaiah 61 as heart. Looked at all the pl- well, we didn't look at all the places. There's over several hundreds of places that appears in the Old Testament. But to get the idea of what does that word heart mean, because we might not necessarily understand immediately. So some of the things, if we're not going to go into the scriptures now, but some of the ideas biblically of what that word means is the heart would be the center of your affections. The heart would be where you perceive your perception. How many of you have a perception of the world? around you that may or may not be an accurate perception talked about people can make comments to you and perhaps with insecurities you can hear them saying something awful to you and they never even meant to say anything bad to you so your perception that that's in your heart god wants to heal that your feelings stemming from your perception of reality your heart is where you have a conversation on the inside so we have how many of you know we have conversations with people on the outside they hear our voice they see our face but there's a conversation, the real conversation, your real thoughts that are happening on the inside. God wants to heal that conversation. As well as the center of your desires. That God actually wants you to live out of desire. So we're going we're gonna to continue looking at the healing of the heart. And let me just start with this. That the heart referenced in scripture. If you look at, I've, I've heard in times past there's a thing called the law of first mention. Which is to say this. That anytime you look at a topic... In the Bible, you look at where it's first mentioned in the Bible, and that, will, that passage will set a, 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 a tone or set kind of the, the cornerstone for that understanding of that particular topic. So if you look at the heart, where it's first mentioned in the Bible, if you'll look with me, if you have a Bible with you, Genesis 6, verse 5. And then we'll look at Genesis 8, verse 20. The first mention in the Bible, you see two hearts referenced. The Hebrew word, not that you care, not that it's even important necessarily for us to say, is a Hebrew word called leb, translated into English as heart. Genesis 6-5 says this, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man. How many of you remember there was a thing called the fall, where Adam and Eve fell, sin entered into the earth, man became disconnected from an intimate relationship with God, sin, bad, earth not the same as it was originally created, This is the scenario that we find ourselves in here. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So we have two hearts referenced in this passage of Scripture. It's the first time you're going to see that word in Scripture. Man's heart and God's heart. Man's heart, because of the fall, had evil in it. Now, I'm not trying to say that we are identified by our evil, okay? So I'm not saying that you're, you are evil. However, I am saying that since the fall, every single human has had evil in our hearts and that's the source of the brokenness that needs to be healed and the, and the bondage that needs to be liberated, okay? So the, how many of you ever sinned before? Okay, oh, some of you aren't even raising your hands. This is, well, you know, like, let me put both hands up. Let me count the ways. So there is evil inside of our hearts. And I have been a Christian now for, I'm 30, almost nine. So what is that, 22 years or something? And there is still evil in my heart. How do I know that? Because I have evil thoughts. Are you with me? I'm not saying like I'm, about, I'm an axe murderer and like watch out for Pastor Paul. <laughs> uh, or Paul, I would prefer you to call me Paul actually. I'm, not say, I'm saying there are evil thoughts, evil desires that still come. That's the idea. And then God in his heart, according to that passage of scripture, is that it grieved his heart to see man's heart. The word grieved there means this, cut or carved broken. In other words, we're talking about binding up the broken heart. The reality is that sin brought evil into man's heart, and not only did that break man's heart, God's heart was broken. That's the, the entryway of our understanding of the heart, is that God grieved not over how bad my children are, the effect that that had over his, over his children. You skip over to the next passage of scripture, we're going to see this word, Genesis 8.20. We have Noah, who has just built the ark, gone through, he's found himself on dry ground after being on the ark, when he steps off the ark and let me ask you something here: if you were on an ark and you had two animals of every kind and you stepped onto dry ground, would your first instinct be to take some of those animals and sacrifice them as worship? I'm thinking, uh, can I like sing a worship song maybe instead or? So, so that's, he worshipped, he, he, he in gratitude and in faith and in trust worshipped God with the most precious of what he had. He worshipped God and it says in verse 20, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Animals. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma, the sacrifice that came from the heart of man. And then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. So again, we see two hearts in this passage of Scripture. Man's, once again, is being described as having evil in it. But this time, God, in his heart, is because he smelled the aroma of sacrifice, he decided that seeing man's heart, he will instead extend grace towards man's heart. And the idea here is that this is a type of Christ who made the sacrifice on our behalf, that, that aroma has gone before God. God has seen our hearts and the evil in it and his choice has been I will, not pr- I will not judge them, I will extend grace towards them. The healing of the heart, my friend, starts with this one understanding, God's heart for you. That God's heart is broken over your brokenness. He cares. He is not judging you. He is not pointing his finger at you and saying, See, you are wrong. His heart is grieved because he wants you whole. And not only that, but in order to see you whole, he has to overlook and extend mercy for our weaknesses so that we would be acceptable to him and not being worthy of the fellowship with him could be invited into his heart and have that fellowship with him, his perfect heart, with our imperfect heart, and be healed in that place. That's the gospel, my friends. That's where healing begins. Sacrifice turned God's heart. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that. Now, let's go back to this Isaiah 61 text quickly and and reference where does this whole thing begin? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the, the poor. The whole idea is the gospel finds its home with the poor now at the age of 17 I just referenced it when I became a Christian I was and I hope you don't judge me for this honestly I was the son of a, of a well-to-do well-educated father and mother middle-class privileged I wasn't poor in that sense but do you know that I was poor biblically so let's understand what we mean by poor poor has nothing to do necessarily with your pocketbook Poor is a condition of the heart. How do I know that? If you'll go with me to Matthew chapter 4, I mean excuse me, 5, verse 14, Jesus' first message to those who were following him, his disciples, he says this: Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, the entryway, the first doorway of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, coming into the earth, the gateway is this thing called poverty of spirit. That's, so if we want our hearts healed, how many of you want heart healed? I want my heart healed. I don't even feel like I'm an unhealthy individual, and yet relative to heaven, I'm very unhealthy. Do you know what I'm saying? There's tons of healing that I still need. Tons of insecurities I still need to work through and whatever else. I want more of him established in my life. The doorway to all that poverty of spirit. This is actually good news. So let let me just toss out a couple thoughts about poverty of spirit because I'm wanting, my goal tonight is to help us to understand what poverty of spirit really is and to make it cool. I mean, to make it attractive, to make it what we want because everything in that list that Jesus goes through, blessed are the, the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who show mercy for they shall be shown mercy. Right? It would be good for me to know the scripture before I talk to you guys about it. <laughs> Every single one of those things is like an upside down kingdom. If you, if you, if you know what I'm saying. In other words, this world, we, we grow up thinking that we like to put our, our, our strong foot forward and look, look like we have everything together. That's what we know is like the good thing. And, and, and Jesus is coming saying, you know, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth it's upside down, this kingdom. Or actually, it's right side up. This world's upside down. And so this thing of poverty of spirit, why am I saying that? I'm saying it to just say this. Poverty of spirit does not come to us naturally. In other words, it's kind of like water. Now, some of you scientific ones could maybe help me with this a little bit, but water automatically tries to find a path of least resistance, right? That's why it goes downward. And so our lives we automatically try to find paths of least resistance naturally. Poverty of spirit does not come natural to us, naturally to us. In fact when we are poor in spirit there's something in us that wants to quickly find the way where we can feel strong and self-sufficient again. But according to Jesus that very feeling of self-sufficiency is the very gate that shuts for the kingdom of heaven to flood into our lives. Now do you understand the, 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 the need for poverty of spirit, the beauty of poverty of spirit. So perhaps it would be good to understand what poverty of spirit actually is. Let me, let me open this up. The, the idea of poverty of spirit, first of all, is it is not poverty in the body. It's poverty of the spirit. So it's not poverty, although poverty economically can lead towards poverty of spirit. But the idea is anything that causes you to realize your need for help. And secondarily, readily accepting the help. Now, where it comes to what Jesus was talking about, the kingdom of heaven, it's your need for God and his kingdom and readily accepting God and his kingdom. This is real. And I hope, I hope that we don't just kind of toss this off as like theology- doctrine stuff i'm telling you i was bound by sexual lust when i gave my life to jesus at the age of 17 bound stuck in it addicted did not know how to think any other way and i'm not trying to brag i'm telling you walking a journey with jesus not doctrine not church jesus and allowing him to have my heart and lead me through the painful process of healing has led me to a place where I am free. Free. I'm not saying I'm not tempted, but I'm free. And I could go on with, with other things that he's, that's just kind of an easy thing to reference, other things that he's healed me from. This thing is real. This works. If it doesn't work, please, let's just go home and watch the Super Bowl show. <laughs> that's like way more interesting. You know what I mean? If we're just gathered together for something that's not even real, like what idiots we are. This thing is powerful. It is the kingdom of heaven. So what is poverty of spirit? Knowing you need help, readily accepting it. So I can remember, for example, when, when uh, he's not here now, so I can talk about him. My, my oldest son, Peter, um, w- when he was born, oh my gosh, this kid, strong will. <laughs> I mean, the guy had emo- feelings, deep feelings about everything. And every single time, my wife can, can testify, every single time, we needed to change his diaper. It was a fiasco because he didn't understand what was happening. And no, no matter how many times we did it, he never like understood. All he knew is that we're taking his clothes off, and the cold air is coming in. He doesn't like that. And now we're like messing with this stuff, and he would like arch his back and, rah, and he would do this this whole thing. And I mean, we couldn't even get the diaper off. And I remember being so frustrated. Like, why? Don't you understand? I am taking my time out to get a wipey and wipe poop out of your bu- bum, your butt. Can I say that in America? Your, your derriere. I'm wiping poop out of your butt so that you don't get a diaper rash and you're fighting me for it. Like, just trust me as your father. That, my friends, right there, that is a picture. I guarantee you there are people in this room, God is wanting to, and I, excuse the picture. <laughs> you, you've, you've got some junk in, in, your, in, in your trunk, okay? <laughs> I can't believe I actually just said you've got junk in your trunk. Anyways, <laughs> you've got stuff he's wanting to help you, and we're like, ah! Oh, and, he, and he can't do it, and he's like, don't you understand? I'm actually just wanting to bless you. And I'm telling you, even when I became a Christian, the, uh, those first couple years where God started to do a work in, in my life around certain things, maybe it was the sexual lust, it was also pride. It was the pride of being cool. Like, you know, I had finally arisen to that top of the totem pole in high school where I was like in the inner, inner, inner crowd and had the respect of everyone in the school. And I was like, cool, and I built my identity around that. And all of a sudden, it was like my relationship with Jesus was causing all of that to appear as this completely false foundation, and I didn't know where to put my foot anymore. And it was the most, it was the most awkward feeling. And people talk about how they give their lives to Jesus and their, 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 you know, their life is just a joy. I went from being the top of the ladder to not knowing who I was anymore and feeling horrible, actually. There's a journey, but on the other side, as you allow the Lord to lead you down that journey— and just keeping one step in front of the other of faith and allowing him to take it, he brings healing and liberty to your life. Full st- I guarantee you. And so that thing of just poverty of spirit allowing your, do you know, a divorce or painful experiences? I don't know what yours may be. I've had painful experiences this week. Where I've had to, to face, face on things in my own heart, in my own life. And you have that, that thing that inside of you that you can justify and argue away and, and point out maybe the, the fault in other things around you. Or you can actually humble yourself and realize, actually, if I really want to be healed, if I want God to do, I'm going to have to like, allow God to do something here. This thing of poverty of spirit the blessed are the poor in spirit theirs to them belongs the kingdom of God the very thing that was lost at the fall the original intent of God the power and the presence and the beauty of heaven operating in our lives here on earth the doorway being poverty poverty of spirit what can you do I would say this embrace it embrace it embrace the, the difficulty in your life, the things that are tripping you up, the things that are making you feel bad, the things where you could be overcome by them, embracing in that moment, God, I need you. Because those things, that what, what is actually intended to destroy your life or to make you bad actually can be used by God to become the very thing that is the catalyst to bring you further. It's all in your response to him. Poverty of spirit is actually a beautiful, beautiful thing. <laughs> no, hey, no apology. I'm with you. I've got junk in my trunk. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can't believe I said it again. That's uh, So, Jason, could I just kind of have you join me? I, I just want to, uh, and I know, I know that was... That was short, that was sweet, but I want to give uh, some opportunity for us to respond to the Lord. I think it's important for us to hear what he says in his word, but I want to give all of us opportunity to respond to him uh, right now and, and to um, embrace, I'm not saying embrace your pain. I'm not saying like, you know, like take these bad circumstances and just say, oh, it's, I, am, I embrace that. Embrace whatever catalyst, whatever impetus God could have in your life, to be to instead of resisting or trying to find that place where you can be strong again, to allow it to make you weak and confess before a God who loved you the whole time that you need him. You need him. You don't need to change the circumstance necessarily. You need him to change you. Change your heart. Change core beliefs that lead you into the very thing that messes you up in the first place. Could we stand up maybe? Folks, I just want to say this. Jesus came preaching this core, central, basic foundation message. This was his message when he preached. This was it. The kingdom of heaven has come. It's near. It's, it's, it's at hand. I don't know how many years there transcended between the time of the fall to the time of Christ. Rodney probably knows I don't. But it was a lot of years. And when Jesus came, he came proclaiming that that which had existed before the fall, perfect unity with heaven, the access of heaven itself is at hand. It is within grasp. Repent and believe the gospel. And that idea of repenting is letting go of your pride, letting go of your clinging to self-sufficiency, or clinging to anything in this world and belief that is rooted in this world. And humbling yourself to accept that only Jesus saves. And you may say, well that's great for the people who have never received Jesus before. But you know, I, I accepted him you know, 20 years ago. Well actually, everything in the journey of becoming a rebuilder. Healed, liberated, appointed in a place, rebuilding. Everything revolves around that core response repent and believe you know the the fundamental question the 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 way in which god's kingdom finds place in this earth it revolves around that question that jesus asked his disciples many of you would know the story where jesus asked who do men say that i am And they said, well, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah or Isaiah or one of the prophets. And he says, okay, boys, who do you say that I am? Can I ask right now in this place that that is the fundamental question for every single person in this room? Who really is he? Not the theology, the doctrine, what we were taught in Bible class or who What is our confession of who he is? Peter stood up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, flesh and blood. No man revealed this to you but my father in heaven. And I say to you, you are not just Simon, the son of John, you are Peter. You are a piece of a rock and upon this larger rock, the, the rock of what you have just said about me, that revelation, what you have just confessed, I will build my church. And I want to say to you tonight, Jesus wants to build his church through you. He wants to fulfill his purpose through you, and it begins with the confession. Who do you say he is? If we're hungry for healing and being liberated from the things of this world, it begins with the confession of who he is. Now, we all know, yes, he's the Lord, he's the Son of God. Can I ask, is that, our, is that would, in the privacy of your own intimate place with Jesus tonight, is that our confession? Can we make that confession? That's the ultimate expression of poverty of spirit and the humility of heart, is the confession that he is God I need you, and I am entirely dependent upon you. I give my whole life to you. You are my Lord, my King, my Master. I trust in you and in you alone. That is the pathway to the healing that he desires to bring us. Can we confess that tonight? Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you alone are Lord. You are Lord. You are King. You are Messiah. And we worship you. We trust you. We trust you and we invite you. Come and come into the places of our life to bring healing. Come in and speak your word. Even if it feels painful to receive at times and scary, Lord, we trust in you because you lead us into freedom. Your word makes us free. You make us free. Can we agree with that tonight? If we do that sincerely from our heart, I promise you he hears that prayer. And he will begin to speak to you and begin, as you seek him, he will begin to speak to you and lead you. Have your way, Lord. Do it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.